book of Genesis chapter number 9. Genesis chapter number 9. We'll read some verses here and try our best to give you what's on our heart from the Lord. I don't know that I've ever... uh, preach from this scripture in this fashion? Well, I know I've not. This is what the Lord laid on my heart and showed me some things that i never seen before, and I desire your prayers that the Lord would help us, that we might deliver them to you and be a help and a blessing to you in these days as we have assembled together for the service tonight. Again, it's good to see you. I appreciate you being in the house of God. Genesis chapter 9, let's stand together out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. I'm going to read a lot of verses, and I'll read them as quick as I can and not weary with standing, uh, but I feel compelled to read several verses tonight just to give the background and the foundation and context for what we'll try to preach on by the help of the Lord tonight. We're going to back up and actually start reading in chapter number 8. And verse number 15 is where we'll begin and then read down into chapter number 9. Genesis chapter 8 and verse number 15. And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons, thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle, And of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth, be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. Noah went forth, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every fowl, whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds, went forth out of the ark. And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord. And took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat and summer and winter, Day and night shall not cease. God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. But flesh with the light thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall you not eat. And surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it, and at the hand of man. At the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. And you, be ye fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you, 
with every living creature that is with you, of the fowl, of the cattle, and of every beast of the earth with you, from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you, neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud and I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. God said unto Noah, this is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. The sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem and Ham and Japheth. And Ham is the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah. And of them was the whole earth overspread. Noah began to be an husbandman. And he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine and was drunken. He was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. He said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem. Canaan shall be his servant. God shall enlarge Japheth. He shall dwell in the tents of Shem. And Canaan shall be his servant. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years. And all the days of Noah were 950 years. And he died. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I know I read a lot of scripture, and I tried to not weary you with standing, but I felt compelled to read this to, to lay the foundation or the context of what the Lord's put on my heart tonight to preach about. I want to preach from verses 20 down to the end of the chapter, chapter 9, about the dangers of the vineyard. The dangers of the vineyard. Now I'm not tonight, though there could be, or there is, not just could be, there is a message to be preached about the dangers of alcohol. That's not what I'm preaching about tonight. But what I am preaching about is the fact that there are things in our life, things that are unimportant, things that are that don't matter in the grand scheme of things, that we get distracted and drawn away by, that cost us some things in our relationship and I walk with God. Now I begin to think about this man by the name of Noah. And we know him well. We know the story about how that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's probably the most well-known verse or passage of Scripture 
or statement concerning the man named Noah that there is in all the Bible that he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And it wasn't a time when the wickedness of man, if we read in Genesis chapter 6, was great in the earth. And the Bible said that every thought of the imaginations of his heart was only evil continually. And the fact the shape of man had got so bad that it repented the Lord that he had ever made man in the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. That's one of the first times in the scripture that you'll ever read about the heart of God of being grieved about his creation. But matter of fact, the last statement that God ever made about man is that he was good. And the next statement that God issues for the man is that he has grieved in his heart that he ever made him. And so there's a lot of things that have happened between the creation of man in the Garden of Eden and Noah's day when man is so wicked that it grieves the Lord that he had ever even made man in the earth. But in the midst of all of that, the Bible records for us about a man who finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God comes to him and tells him to build an ark of gopher wood and begins to give him the blueprints to build the ark, and he did. Noah, we are told, was a preacher of righteousness. That's what Peter said, and he preached for at least 120 years while he built the ark. And then he and his wife and his three sons and their wives were invited on board the ark by God and they came through the flood protected by God and survived and came out on the other side alive. And so we're reading about a man who has come through the flood alive. He has endured the greatest storm of the judgment and the wrath of God that mankind has ever seen. And by the grace of God, not because of who Noah is or what Noah's done or how Noah's acted, but because of the grace of God, Noah has come out on the other side of the flood alive. And not only has he come out on the other side of the flood alive, now he has come out of the ark. And he's not only come out of the flood, and he's not only come out of the ark and put his feet again on dry land after the greatest flood the world's ever seen, all the world covered with water above every mountain did the water prevail. And every living creature, the Bible said, wherein was the breath of life, died on the face of the earth. Now Noah's alive by the grace of God and he is again standing on dry ground and he receives the covenant of God and he consecrates himself and his family and the earth again to God and the first thing that Noah does when he gets off the ark is he builds an altar unto God and he makes a sacrifice see we teach our children and it's often overlooked We teach our children that all the animals came in two by two and that is partially right but if you read the scripture there were seven of every clean beast that came in under the ark to preserve them alive so Noah would have the capability of sacrificing and worshiping God when he got off the ark. And so that's the first thing Noah does. He takes that seventh, that one of every clean beast and he makes a sacrifice unto God. And he consecrates himself and he consecrates his family and he dedicates that day unto God and acknowledges who his helper is and acknowledges where his strength comes from and acknowledges that it was not him nor his craftsmanship nor his son's craftsmanship or ability that got them through the flood but it was the almighty grace of God 
And then God gives Noah a covenant. He says, I'm not only going to establish my covenant with the earth, but he said personally with you, I'm going to swear to you that I'll no longer destroy the earth anymore by a flood. But he said, I'll bless you and I'll bless your children and I'll make you abundant and fruitful in the earth. You'll overspread it. Your sons and their families will overspread the earth. And he said, I'll put my bow in the heavens so that if you have a bad day or the storm clouds roll in in your life again and you feel like maybe this is going to repeat and you get that bread building up in your heart because you remember these days he said I'll put my rainbow in the cloud and let you know that I'll never do this again I make this covenant with you today I mean what experiences this man by the name of Noah has had that he's come through the flood that he's come off the ark alive that he has consecrated himself unto God that he has received the covenant by God's hand and mouth himself but then in verse number 20 the Bible said and Noah began to be a husbandman and he planted a vineyard so this man who has come through the flood this man who has come out the ark alive this man who has consecrated himself and his family to God This man who has received the covenant of God is now going to be carried away with a silly old thing like a vineyard. And it's going to mar his life and the life of his family for the rest of their days. All because Noah planted a vineyard. Now there's some things God's put on my heart and I'll give them to you real quick and then we'll go to the house. I'm not going to keep you very long tonight, I don't think. But I will say this, we do not know. None of us know the intentions of Noah. I heard somebody say that it was Noah's intention when he planted the vineyard to get drunk. I don't know if that was Noah's intention. But I do know that Noah was not ignorant about what this vineyard could mean for him and for his family. He might have had good intentions. He might have just wanted to see it grow. He might have just wanted to see the abundance of the earth. He might have just wanted to get up some morning and look out over the vineyard and feel good about his labor. I don't know what Noah's intentions were, but I know that Noah was not ignorant to what this vineyard could mean for him and his family. But nevertheless, Noah, no matter what his intentions, Noah got so caught up in this vineyard, that's the only thing that Noah thought about. That's the only thing that occupied Noah's interest. That's the only thing. We don't read about him sacrificing again. We don't read about him worshiping again. The last thing we read about after this happens is that Noah died. The dangers of the vineyard. Now I'm not here tonight preaching that some of you got a vineyard planted literally somewhere in your life. But some of you tonight may have something that's catching your eye. Some of you tonight may have something, whatever it may be, a hobby, a job, a this or a that, that is luring you and drawing you away. And you may have good intentions. There's nothing wrong with having a hobby as long as it's in its place and as long as it don't come before God and God's time and God's house and God's things. But if you're not careful, that thing you have good intentions, 
contentions about. Uh, you may not be ignorant. You understand uh, that there are things that can lure you and draw you away and cost you some things you cannot recover. This vineyard led to an embarrassment for Noah and his family. The Bible said he drank of the wine and he got drunk. And he lay in the tent uncovered. And his younger son came by him. And he saw the nakedness of his father. And that was a cursed thing to see him that day. And he went and he told his brethren. They wouldn't look. They carried a coat backwards and placed it over Noah. And when Noah woke up, it was not the Bible reads that Noah knew what his son had done. Not It wasn't his son that did anything wrong. It was Noah that did the wrong. But Noah cursed his son because of the embarrassment that Noah suffered from the vineyard. It was not just an embarrassment, but it affected the inheritance of his youngest son. The Bible said he knew what his younger son had done, and he said, Cursed be Canaan. Now that wasn't just Ham, but that was his son. The Bible said that Ham in verse number 18 is the father of Canaan and the Bible under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost is just setting up the stage for what's fixing to happen. It don't talk about Shem's sons. It don't talk about Japheth's sons. It just wants us to know that Ham is the father of Canaan and nor don't curse Ham. He curses Canaan. Ham's son. And he said, Canaan will be a servant unto Shem and his children and to Japheth and their children. The Lord will bless Japheth and the Lord will bless Shem. But he said, curse will be Canaan. That was a curse that Canaan never could ever get out from under. When we were here not long ago, I guess longer than you think because time goes by so fast. We were here that meeting that Brother Terry Pace preached about that woman coming with the daughter that was possessed and needed the Lord how to touch her that she was cursed because the Bible tells us she was a Canaanite. And the reason that she was cursed goes all the way back to this scripture in Genesis chapter 9 and verse 25 where Canaan was cursed. And it was still in Jesus' day that the children, the descendants of Canaan were still under a generational curse that all resulted because of the fact that Noah, a man that found grace in the eyes of the Lord, that Noah, a man that received the covenant of God, that Noah, the man that came through the flood, that came out of the ark, that consecrated his he planted a vineyard he got sidetracked, distracted drove away from the Lord and it cost him some things and his family some things they never ever got back again I was reading this scripture and I knew it wouldn't be no shout tonight and probably be real quiet but I'm just trying to preach what the Lord put on my heart as I read this scripture my mind automatically went to the prodigal And I'm grateful tonight that he came home and that he was a son when he left and a son in the hog pen and a son when he came home. His position did not change, but there were some possessions that he lost in the far country that he never ever could get back again. That is right. Oh, it was wonderful. Thank God for the heart 
and the love of the father that received him and said this is my son that killed the fatted calf and that got the ring and the robe and the shoes and celebrated and called his friends and his neighbors and the elder brother got upset and said I've been with you all these years you didn't kill a fatted calf for me you didn't make merry for me but he said this your son had the is living with harlots and he's come home again you've not ceased to make merry and the father said oh you don't understand all I have is yours he said my son is home but he spent everything he had in the far country and he'll never get that back again oh, too often and I'm going to say this tonight I'm afraid in these days, and I'm not trying to back up or just tiptoe around. I mean, I understand the Lord's wanting me tonight to preach a message of warning. It's not a woe or too often if we're not careful. The Lord began to speak to my heart today and this is what He said. He said it's a message of warning. It's not meant to be a woe on those who have been in the far country. I'm not here tonight to preach or to make you have regrets about what you have done. we got to get past that. You can't live in the past. You've got to overcome the regrets and go on for the glory of God. There may be some things in your life you've lost in the far country you can't get back. But thank God you're at the table now serving God restored to fellowship in the family of God and it's time for you to go on and let God bless you and use you he wants to and touch you again but tonight it's a warning to that one that's not yet planted the vineyard that not yet gone to the far country for you not to go because there are some things that you'll lose there that you'll never get back See, here's the thing. What, Noah's de- what Noah did did not just affect Noah. It'd be bad enough if I preached tonight that what Noah did affected just Noah. That would be bad enough, but it didn't just affect Noah. It affected his family. It affected his children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren and his great-great-grandchildren. And from generation to generation to generation, what happened on this day affected them all. And the greatest lie, one of the greatest lies the devil has in our day is just do whatever you want to do. It will only affect you, but that's not the truth. Your sin will not just affect you. I want you to hear me tonight. I'm trying my best to preach from my heart what the Lord told me to preach. Your sin, your shortcomings, you're looking off to the vineyard, you're tending your vineyard, you're going to the far country. Well, not just affect you, it can affect your wife, your husband, your sons, your daughters, your grandsons, your granddaughters, your neighbors, your church, your friends, your family. It will not just affect you. There are dangers. It's not just enough. I mean, it's bad enough to preach that it was an embarrassment. I think when Noah woke up and realized what had happened, he was embarrassed. And in his embarrassment, he got angry. And he should have been angry at himself. He should have been angry at Ham. And he should have been angry at Cain. And he should have been angry at himself. But because of the embarrassment, it cost his family part of their inheritance for the rest of their life. It'd be bad enough for me to get up here tonight and preach to you that if you plant your vineyard and get sidetracked and drawn away from God or that if you go down to the far country that it's going to embarrass you. I think the younger son was embarrassed when he came home. I think that's why he said, I'm going to tell my father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in my sight and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. He was embarrassed 
about what he had done. But the embarrassment was the least part of it. He lost some things. His inheritance was affected because of what he did and where he went. Now I'm going to tell you tonight, it's, it's bad enough that sin will embarrass you. And it will. And vineyards will embarrass you. And the far country will embarrass you. But it will do more than embarrass you. It will cost you some things. Oh, I don't know who ever said it first. I know I've heard it all my life. They say sin will take you farther than you want to go. Keep you longer than you want to stay. Cost you more than you want to pay. And that is right. It will cost you some things. The vineyard will cost you some things. Those hobbies that they get in front of God will cost you some things. Those good intentions without God will cost you some things. Looking off in the distance down yonder in the far country will cost you some things. This tonight is a message about the warnings, the dangers of the vineyard of the far country of being distracted, of being pulled away, of being drawn away by your own flesh, by your sin, away from God. It will cost you some things. And what it costs you, you may never be able to recover. May never be able to recover. Here's a man, and I don't want to... We can't overlook Genesis 6 and 7 and 8 just because of Genesis 9. But we must look at Genesis 9 as an afterthought of Genesis 6, 7, and 8. Here's a man who found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What, what the Scriptures are telling us is that we're not above it. We better not sit here tonight and think, I'll never do that. I'll never plant a vineyard. I'll never look down the road. I'll never be pulled apart. I'll never be distracted. I'll never be drawn away. I'll never do any of this. I'll never be the prodigal. I'll never, I'll never. And it just might be you that's next. doesn't just happen all of a sudden. Noah didn't plant the vineyard one day and get drunk the next. But he had to tend it and take care of it and see it grow and then see it bear fruit. And then he had to do something with the fruit and he had to let it sit and it had to go through its process. And so we're not talking about a few things. We read the Scripture sometimes and think we're reading from one day to the next. The prodigal didn't get up one morning on a whim and say, I'm leaving and going to the far country. There were probably weeks and months, if not years, he spent staring and studying about how he could get out from under daddy and go where he wanted to go. And when he did get down there, he didn't just stay a day or two. He probably spent years down there before he wasted everything he had. And I don't know how long it was, between the time that he lost all he had and he came to himself but there had to be a day he realized I've embarrassed myself I've embarrassed my father and when he got back he had to realize I've lost some things I'll never get back and so what I'm preaching to you tonight is it's not that tomorrow you're going to get up and say the vineyard's ready and I'm going to drink from its fruit that's not the way it works but little by little, surely by surely, you're going to be drawn away and pulled away and distracted and tending to your thoughts and your plans and your pleasures. We live in a generation where the preaching of our day is do whatever makes you feel good. God understands it'll all be alright, but that's not according to the Word of God. Noah did what he wanted to and it cost him some things. 
I'm going to tell you as a child of God, and I know it's not popular preaching, and I know we're not hollering amen real loud or swinging from the chair. I know. But God told me to tell somebody tonight that there's danger in the vineyard. Don't be planting one. Don't be tending one. I'm going to tell you one of the greatest problems of our church day to day is the people of God are coming. I'm talking about saved folk now are coming to the house of God and they're too busy tending their own vineyard to get anything out of the service. They're too busy with their plans, too busy with tomorrow's dreams, too busy with the bank account, too busy with the hobbies, too busy with the toys, too busy with this and too busy with that. They're tending their vineyard and it's going to cost them some things. I'm preaching to us tonight, all of us, that there's a danger in your vineyard. You better keep it in check. Ask for grace from God to keep it in check. Keep your eyes on the Lord. The one that spared you, the wrath of God, the one that saved you by grace, the one that made His covenant with you. We better keep our eyes on Him. Stay true to Him. Ask for grace from Him. We're in dark days. We're in dangerous days. We're in them perilous times. I don't know how many preachers, and I'm not just preaching about preachers, but it's for everybody, but I don't know how many preachers over the last few weeks have called me or talked to me personally and said, will you pray for me? Not because I'm something, but just because we got to have each other. And they said, I'm more discouraged. I'm lower than I've ever been. I'm more down and out than I've ever been. I don't see a way out. I don't see any help. I don't see my church doing anything. My people don't seem to be getting help. I don't know if they're living. I mean, that's the reality of our day. And it's not just in the pulpit. It's from the pulpit all the way to the back pew. And if we're not careful, the discouragement and the depression and the downs of our day will cause us to plant our vineyard and tend it instead of staying true to the things of God. And little by little, we spend more time in the vineyard than we do with the Lord. And little by little, I, it didn't happen to know all at once. He didn't stop sacrificing all at once. He didn't stop praying all at once. But little by little, the vineyard took more of his time and more of his time. And he was more interested in it. And the grapes started coming in and it intrigued him. And he wanted to see more. He wanted to get bigger. And so he spent more time. He wanted a bigger harvest the next year. And so he spent more time and on and on and on until the day that it cost him some things he never could get back again. I'm going to tell you tonight, if you're not careful about those things, I'm not preaching against things tonight necessarily. But if they overrule your dedication and devotion and time with God, you better watch out. You better get rid of them is what you ought to do. Because little by little, more by more, it'll occupy more. You say, well, it's just a Wednesday night here and a Wednesday night there. Yeah, that's exactly how it starts. And then it begins to be every Wednesday night. And it begins to be a Sunday night here and a Sunday night there. And it don't bother you anymore to miss church. And then you just come to church once or twice a month. And then maybe once or twice a year. And then before you know it, you're out altogether. I've seen it. I know it, the way it works. And so we better beware of the vineyards. There's danger in them. We better beware of the things that pull us away, that take our time. You better, we better, we, we, not you, we. We better take inventory of those things that are taking up so much of our time. And we better make sure that they're not vineyards to us that are slowly but surely pulling us farther and farther and farther away. Because there'll come a day that we'll find ourselves in Noah's shoes, embarrassed and have lost some things we may never be able to get back. And the Lord just told me tonight in my simple way, I know I'm not much. 
but I love you tonight and I've tried my best to obey the Lord. He said to tell you there's danger in the vineyards of our life. There's danger in the things that distract us and pull us away from the Lord. We better ask Him for grace to avoid them in these days when there are so many that find themselves in their vineyard. There are so many that are over-occupied that they have no time for God. And it's costing them and it's costing their family. I see it all the time. And I'm not a big social media proponent and I don't honor it and raise it up. But there are a few good things. And somebody said what, what, is, what is optional to you will be unnecessary to your children. And we're raising a generation where church is optional to mom and dad and it's going to be unnecessary to their children. And that's a result of the vineyards that are occupying us in this day. Lord, help us tonight to keep things in check by the help of God and the work of the Spirit of God and the Scriptures in our life. Father, I thank You tonight for the privilege and the opportunity to have been in Your house with Your people.